Hi, this is Josh, and welcome to the Baseball Week, a weekly look around Major League Baseball. A lot happened this week, and we're going to start out taking a look at the third no-hitter of the season, which happened this past weekend, which was pitched by James Paxton of the Seattle Mariners. Third no-hitter this, this year, also the third country where a no-hitter has taken place this year. Uh, he started the season, um, well, the most previous no-hitter, which was in Mexico, in Monterey, Mexico, between the Dodgers and Padres, thrown by Walker Bueller and the Dodgers relievers. That was a series, again, between the Dodgers and Padres, which took place in Mexico. Uh, before then, we had our first no-hitter of the season, which was in the United States. And that was thrown by Sean Manaya of the Oakland Athletics. And now we have our third no-hitter thrown in Canada, in Toronto, home of the Blue Jays, who were no-hit by the Seattle Mariners, James Paxton, who himself is from Canada. So a cool little international connection there. Uh, this was again the third no-hitter of the season. James Paxton had a brilliant start. He's a great young pitcher for the Mariners. Most noteworthy uh, up to that point this year, uh, for having an eagle kind of go after him before a game. Uh, he kind of stood still, uh, did not panic as the eagle flew toward him, showing great coolness under pressure. And that cool under pressure definitely came in handy during this no-hitter, where he was dominant, brilliant, in a start for Seattle, again, one of the best young pitchers in Major League Baseball. And he did this no-hitter one start after having a 16-strikeout game um, in his previous start, 16 strikeouts and just seven innings pitched. Paxton is uh, the first player since Nolan Ryan to have a 16-strikeout game and a no-hitter in the same season. Uh, Nolan Ryan, who did it actually in the same game in 1991, 16 strikeouts and a no-hitter, not too shabby. But having both in the same season in separate games is pretty darn good, too. And James Paxton did it in back-to-back -back starts. And in this no-hit start, Paxton gave up three walks, had seven strikeouts, threw only 99 pitches. Complete game under 100 pitches is very, very impressive. And it was actually Paxton's first career complete game as well. Uh, there was a great defensive play in this game by Kyle Seeger, the brilliant player for the Mariners. Uh, his brother, Corey Seeger, plays for the Dodgers. Corey's unfortunately out for the year. Uh, with an injury, but they're both great young players. Kyle Seeger made a great stop uh, at third base to save the no-hitter for Paxton. A lot of times you see no-hitters will have a great defensive play to help keep the no-hitter alive, and this is certainly a textbook example of that. So congratulations to James Paxton and Kyle Seeger and the whole Seattle Mariners crew for a very memorable game on Tuesday in Toronto. No-hitter was also enough to get James Paxton our Pitcher of the Week for this week. He had just that one start, but it's a pretty darn good one. James Paxton for the season, by the way, 3.52 ERA, very respectable. 2-1 uh, record and 53 and two-thirds innings pitched. Not incredible numbers, but really solid numbers, a 2.06 opponent's batting average against. He's a great young pitcher. He's had some injury issues in the past. He's one of those pitchers who really could break out as a superstar in the majors, and we'll see if this no-hitter is another step in that process. As for our player of the week, we're going to go with Udubel Herrera of the Philadelphia Phillies. There were a lot of contenders for player of the week this week, a lot of hitters with a really good stretch. Uh, Herrera, right among the league leaders in batting average and OPS, uh, and a bunch of other key offensive stats. Herrera also leads Major League Baseball in batting average this season for a whole, uh, and that also hints at his incredible consistency this year, because Adubo Herrera has reached base in every game played this year. 
every game that he has played in, he has reached base. A very, very impressive reaching base streak, now over 40 games and counting, uh, which is amazing. And also amazing when you look at the overall lists for um, getting on base, on base streaks. We know so much about hitting streaks, that tends to be where the focus is. Everyone knows the mythical number of Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak, which is rarely ever even approached. It's such an incredible feat. But in this day and age of emphasis on, on base percentage as opposed to batting average, uh, more focus being placed on walks, it's interesting to look at the all-time best on-base streaks as well. And Joe DiMaggio is right among the leaders in that. In fact, his 56-game hitting streak was part of a longer on-base streak, which is second all-time. And that on-base streak for Joe DiMaggio, well, DiMaggio had his 56-game hitting streak. The next day when he lost the hitting streak, he did draw the walk. And right after that, he had another hitting streak start, another 16-game hitting streak begin. So Joe DiMaggio actually reached base in 74 straight games in 1941. 74 consecutive games. That's about two and a half months' worth of Major League Baseball games, at least two and a half months. That's amazing. That's not the record. The record for consecutive games reaching base, and when we say reaching base, we don't mean getting on a fielder's choice or reaching on an error or something like that. We mean reaching base in a way that improves your on-base percentage, uh, the biggest ones being a hit, a walk, a hit by pitch. The record is 10 games longer than DiMaggio's 74-game, or 84 consecutive games reaching base by Ted Williams in 1949. 84. 56 Joe history is a mythical number in sports. It captured the nation's imagination in the summer of 41. And this is not to put it down anyway. It is a remarkable feat, one of the most incredible feats in sports. But it gets almost all the attention when we talk about streaks like this. Ted Williams' 84 straight games reaching base is unfathomably impressive. But in perspective, Adubo Herrera has an incredible streak going on now. He's about halfway to, to Ted Williams, about halfway there. Ted Williams, 84 straight games in 1947, I'm sorry, 1949, and it did. it was during an MVP season for Ted Williams. Uh, so two amazing streaks there, Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, two of the best players of all time, uh, certainly including two of the best players of their generation, two of the players who captured America's imagination when it comes to Major League Baseball then and who still do today, and those streaks do as well. So while 56 gets the rightful attention it deserves, it might be time to give 84 a uh, place right next to it on the pedestal. By the way, the closest anyone's come to Ted Williams' 84-game streak since it happened is Orlando Cabrera in 2006, who reached base in 63 straight games. So he was still 21 games away, almost a full month of games away from getting to Williams' mark. Williams' longest hitting streak of all time in his career, by the way, was only 23 games, uh, not even half of DiMaggio's record. But Williams was an on-base machine his entire career. Ted Williams' on-base percentage in his career was 482, the best of all time, which means in his career, he reached base in about half of his plate appearances. In his career. So Ted Williams, an icon of Major League Baseball, but in some ways, in some parts of his game, he may even be underrated, believe it or not, when you look at these on-base numbers. And in this day and age where we emphasize on getting on-base so much, and we realize that in many cases a walk is as good as a hit, 
Uh, it's important to recognize these incredible feats Ted Williams had. And these on-base stats are also our stat of the week. Let's switch gears a little now, take a look at our team of the week. And that goes to the Washington Nationals, who started very slow this year, had a lot of injuries in their defense. Daniel Murphy's been out all year, they're great second baseman. Uh, Anthony Rendon missed some time, he's back now. Ryan Zimmerman just went on the DL. Um, many injuries for the Nationals this year. Adam Eaton, their great outfielder who missed most of last season, was off to such a great start this year. He's back on the disabled list, unfortunately. I hope he comes back later this year because he's such a spark plug for that team and such a great young player. Uh, and that's just some of the injuries the Nationals have had this year. So they've been snake bit there. Uh, and they started off slow again, but this week was certainly one of their best of the year. Uh, only one loss this week for the Nationals, including three straight wins over the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, giving the Diamondbacks their first series loss of the season. The D-backs we talked about a couple weeks ago, they had that incredible series winning streak to start the year, tying the all-time record. Since then, they split a couple series, but they hadn't actually lost a series till this four-gamer with Washington, where Washington won the first three games, fourth game is Sunday night. And to do that against Arizona, who's shown such remarkable consistency, uh, has really been the best team in the National League so far this year, not to mention the Nationals played well the rest of the week, too, uh, really garners them our Team of the Week award, and they are right in the thick of the NL East race, just a couple games out of first place behind. First place Braves, second place Phillies. They've moved in front of the Mets now. Uh, so this division, even though they're not in first right now, the Nationals are still uh, really declaring themselves that they are still the favorite in the National League East, and they are a Team of the Week. So let's take a look at what else happened on the Diamond this week. I'm going to start, we we'll go back to last Sunday. Uh, see some highlights from that day. And Shohei Otani pitched for the Angels as he's pitching most, Sunday, most Sundays for Anaheim. And he had a really nice start. Six innings pitch, two runs, six hits, two walks, six strikeouts as Anaheim beats Seattle 8-2. Uh, so keeping up the Otani watch, he's still doing really solidly, both as a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, the New York Yankees have had an amazing week this week. It started, well, this week started on Sunday, so their amazingness started on Sunday too. When they beat Cleveland 7-4 for their 15th win in 16 games. In his first career start for the Yankees, uh, Domingo Herman uh, gave up zero hits in six innings pitched. He's the first pitcher with six innings pitched and no hits and nine strikeouts in his first start since the mound was moved to its current position in 1893. So a remarkable first start for Domingo Herman, just in a series of remarkable things for the Yankees. Later in this game, despite that great start, the Yankees were down 4 nothing in the 8th inning. But then the Yankees scored 3 in the bottom of the 8th to make it 4-3. And they scored 4 in the bottom of the ninth, including a 3-run home run by Glaber Torres. And the Yankees had the big comeback victory over Cleveland in this game. And we'll talk about the Yankees a little more because they've been playing such uh, tour in baseball these last few weeks. And a couple other great games on Sunday. Uh, St. Louis beat the Cubs in 14 innings, 4-3. This was a game where Javier Baez hits a go-ahead home run for the Cubs in the top of the 14th. And this was a game there was rain delays. It was already a Sunday night game, so this was deep into the morning when Baez hit this home run to put the Cubs on top. And then the bottom of the 14th, Dexter Fowler has got two outs. Uh, it looks like the game is about to end, and he somehow hits a two-run home run with two strikes, two outs again, bottom of the 14th. They're getting ready to wrap up the broadcast. 
in this thing. Cubs win, but no, Dexter Fowler hits a two-run home run right at the end, and the Cardinals come back to get the victory over the Cubs in a big rivalry series. Uh, the Cardinals with the 4-3 victory. Just when you think the Cubs have it, they snatch it away and get the win in the game. On Tuesday, there were a couple interesting games. One, of course, was James Paxton's no-hitter, which we talked about. Uh, while we're on, on James Paxton again, let's ask the trivia question. Who is the most recent Seattle Mariner to get a no-hitter before James Paxton? Was again the most recent Mariners pitcher with a no-hitter or a perfect game before James Paxton's no-hitter this week? Uh, we'll get the answer at the end of the episode. And also on Tuesday, there was uh, quite the opposite of James Paxton's start by Dylan Bundy of Baltimore, who did not record any outs in his game, a game in which Kansas City wound up scoring 10 runs in the first inning, including four first-inning home runs by Jorge Soler, Mike Moustakas, uh, Salvador Perez, and Alex Gordon. The Royals, not a power-hitting team. They really broke out in this game, again, scoring 10 in the first off of Dylan Bundy and then continuing to score off of Baltimore relievers. Uh, it was the second time all time that Kansas City had scored 10 runs in the first inning. And remarkably, it was the first time Kansas City scored 10 runs in the first inning and won. That's right. The previous time they scored 10 in the first was against Cleveland uh, earlier in the 2000s, and Kansas City lost that game 15-13. So they got their first 10-run first inning with a win today, or on Tuesday. So uh, really a nice game for the Royals there. Tuesday also saw the start of the New York Yankees-Boston Red Sox three-game series. The Yankees and Red Sox with the two best records in baseball. And the more things change, the more they stay the same sometimes. And this was a great series. The Yankees won the first two games of the series. Boston won the third game, so these teams are still neck and neck. And we imagine they will stay neck and neck, stay among the top teams in baseball uh, through the summer. Definitely a rivalry. It's always a rivalry to keep an eye on, but especially this year where both teams are so, so strong. One other note about Tuesday, uh, Brent Suter, a Milwaukee relief pitcher, hit a 433-foot home run off Corey Kluber, the Indians' former Cy Young winner, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. This is a relief pitcher hitting not just a home run, a monster home run over 430 feet against one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, Suter and Milwaukee won this game 3-2, but certainly one of the most unlikely home runs you're ever going to ever gonna see. Uh, Bruce, not Bruce Suter, I'm sorry. Bruce Suter is a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's great. Uh, Brent Suter, maybe he'll be a Hall of Famer one day too. If he keeps hitting and pitching like this, he will be. Uh, great job by Brent Suter and the Brewers there. By the way, an interesting note occurred on Wednesday. Uh, Carlos Carrasco of the Cleveland Indians got a complete game victory. This is notable not just because not just Carlos Carrasco is a great young pitcher uh, for Cleveland and a Cy Young contender. Carlos Carrasco is the first pitcher this year with two complete games. Uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, this would have happened by the middle of April. Uh, but the way pitchers are used today is just very different than it used to be, for better or for worse. Uh, there's more emphasis on relief pitchers, on uh, pitchers facing just a few batters due to matchups. So we just don't see as many complete games as we used to. And here we are a month and a half into the season. We have our first pitcher with two complete games for the season. So an interesting note, an interesting uh, sign of the way things are now in Major League Baseball. Uh, on Thursday, um, had a great game between Washington and Arizona. 
in which Zach Greinke had an RBI and stolen base in the same inning for Arizona. Uh, in this game, Zach Greinke, great pitcher, now with the Diamondbacks, but Washington did get the win in this game, part of their winning the first three games in that series against the Diamondbacks. And a couple other notable games this week. Let's talk for a minute about the Houston Astros. On Saturday, Charlie Morton of the Astros pitched seven innings, 14 strikeouts, one run allowed, and a 6-1 Houston victory over Texas. Charlie Morton is the third Astros starter this year with 14 or more strikeouts in a game. The third Astros starter with 14 or more strikeouts in a game this season, a month and a half into the season. Uh, Very few teams have done this. Uh, Very few teams have done anything Houston's pitchers are doing this year uh, right now. Houston right now has the top three pitchers in ERA in the American League. Justin Verlander's first. Garrett Cole is second. Charlie Morton is third. So Charlie Morton, third best ERA on his team, third best ERA in the American League. Uh, Houston is a team really in the past known maybe most for their offense. They still have a really good offense, but what their starting pitching is doing really makes them it seems to be feared as we get to the postseason. you got to imagine they're on their way to the postseason to keep up this pitching with them and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Angels looking so strong with Otani and Trout. The American League playoffs, we're looking way ahead, but the American League playoffs could be really special. Another fun note from Saturday, Francisco Lindor of the Cleveland Indians and Cleveland's win had two home runs and two doubles and 6-2 Cleveland victory. Uh, Lindor is the first Indian with four extra base hits, four extra base hits. Excuse me, from the leadoff spot, since Terry Francona's father, Terry Francona, the manager of the Cleveland Indians, his father Tito Francona did this in 1964. That was the last time it happened. So a, a cool connection there. Uh, it also uh, shows just how difficult getting four extra base hits in the game is. In fact, having a game with two home runs and two doubles historically much more difficult than a cycle. A cycle, single, double, triple homer, it's very cool to do that. But if you look at total bases, it's not really as good as two home runs and two doubles in the same game. A cycle, these are math skills here, a cycle's total bases is 10, 4 plus 3 plus 2 plus 1. Uh, Two doubles and two homers, the total base is there, is 12. So 4 plus 4 plus 2 plus 2. So you're really doing better uh, when you get the cycle. Excuse me, doing better when you get the two home run, two double game, and when you get the cycle. So really, uh, really impressive job by Francisco Lindor there in something there's been uh, roughly half as many uh, two home run, two double games as there have been cycle games. So really impressive feat by Lindor. Again, just like on base streaks, don't get the attention hitting streaks do. Games with four extra base hits don't get the attention that cycles do. Uh, just part of it is the history, and part of it is you know, what really appeals to us. But when you really dig into the stats, not to take anything away from hitting streaks and cycles, they're a lot of fun, they're awesome, but uh, important to recognize feats like this as well. One other note from the weekend of games, Andrew McCutcheon made his return to Pittsburgh this weekend. McCutcheon, the best pirate player of the last generation, really, uh, played his whole career at Pittsburgh until this year when he was traded to San Francisco, uh, received a lengthy standing ovation from the Pirates fans, as he should have, and in a really nice gesture. Uh, Pittsburgh catcher Francisco Cervelli. Uh, when McCutcheon came to the plate, Cervelli moved in front of the plate, uh, really forcing McCutcheon to take in that standing ovation. Uh, with Cervelli standing way in front of the plate, there was no way McCutcheon could just get into the box and be ready for the pitch because Cervelli was indicating that 
they were not ready for the pitch yet. So he kind of made McCutcheon uh, soak in uh, that moment, that really special moment. Uh, these former teammates with Pittsburgh, a nice gesture by Cervelli. And teammates caring for each other really leads us into this week's story about what makes baseball great. And for this, we want to look at what's been going on this year with Chicago White Sox relief pitcher Danny Farquhar. Uh, Farquhar has uh, been a pitcher for the White Sox, and earlier this season, he collapsed in the dugout, suffering a ruptured aneurysm in the middle of a game. Uh, this was really scary when it happened. Uh, at first, it was unclear if Farquhar was even going to survive. Uh, whether he could pitch again was far, far away from anyone's mind. Um, he was in critical condition in the hospital at first. Uh, gradually, updates started coming in, showing that his condition was improving, thankfully. And he was recently uh, released from the hospital, thank goodness. And just this week, for the first time, he returned to visit the White Sox in their clubhouse and also posted on Instagram for the first time since the incident. Uh, so for a quote of the week, I want to first read what Farquhar posted to Instagram. Because, uh, again, these are his really his first public words uh, since the incident happened. Farquhar wrote, Overwhelmed with the love and support that was shown to me and my family these past few weeks. Thank you to the at White Sox, White Sox fans, and Rush University Hospital. My wife and I are blessed to have an incredible support system with both our families. I am home and healing and can't wait to be back on the mound. In fact, uh, Farquhar's neurosurgeon said while he won't be cleared to pitch this season in baseball, um, Farquhar should be able to pitch again in the majors, which after everything that's happened in the past few weeks is just really something to smile about. His fellow White Sox reliever Nate Jones said he's a walking miracle. Uh, so all our best, certainly, to Danny Farquhar and the Chicago White Sox as he continues his recovery. And we're going to wrap up this week's episode with a look at our trivia answer. Again, the question uh, for this week's trivia question, who was the most recent Seattle Mariner before James Paxton to throw a no-hitter? And the answer is, drum roll please, the answer is, Hisashi Iwakuma in August 2015. This was, by the way, when Iwakuma threw his, it was also his first career complete game. Uh, just like this no-hitter was James Paxton's first career complete game. So Hisashi Iwakuma, this week's trivia answer. The Mariners have had a lot of recent no-hitters. You may have guessed Felix Hernandez for this one. He threw one a few years before Iwakuma did. Uh, the Mariners also had a combined no-hitter in 2012, uh, the same year Hernandez threw his 2012. Uh, Iwakuma's was 2015. The combined no-hitter in 2012 was started by Kevin Millwood and also f uh, included relief help from a whole host of relievers. Uh, before then, it had been since 1993 when the Mariners had one, but since 2012, the Seattle Mariners have had uh, four no-hitters. Only the San Francisco Giants have had that many um, uh, recently. So great pitching performances out there in Seattle. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh, any questions, comments, please always feel free to email us at thebaseballweek at gmail.com. That's thebaseballweek at gmail.com. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and have a wonderful week. Take care.